you the best sidekick I could ever ask for. Thank you, Roy. I feel the same about you. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Under Podcast. We have a podcast that discuss films that we that are underrated, underappreciated, and ones that have slipped under the radar and passed most people by. Today starts the, a new series for us. I think we are calling it, uh, what, what, what are we calling it again? Unsung, what was it? Un, yes, Unsung, unsung series. series. It's yeah. the Unsung sing- Series, which we are going to be discussing movie series that we feel is underappreciated. And um, for this first one, it is uh, Derek's choice. So let me pass it on to him. Yes, yeah, so... My underrated franchise is one that I was really a big fan of when I was younger, and that would be the, it's a duology, I guess, would be the correct term, and that is the Shanghai uh, duology, Shanghai Noon, and the sequel, Shanghai Nights. Uh, And there has been, in planned many, many years, a planned third film in the trilogy that will likely, unfortunately, never come to fruition. But yeah, these are the films starring, of course, Jackie Chan, and Owen Wilson, um, written by uh, Alfred Goff and Miles Miller, who have the written the screenplays for both films. Um, these are films, of course, that uh, are combination of westerns and kung fu movies. So you know, a very east meets west thing, in a way similar to what Jackie Chan had previously done with Rush Hour, but in a way that made it much more focused on the genre conventions of the literal west um, and the literal east. This, these were my picks, but you know, what did you guys, what did you guys think of these movies? Uh, I like while I enjoy a little bit more of the Rush Hour movies and the kind of I do enjoy the Shanghai movies and they do have a special part in my my childhood for that reason. Just because I I'm I'm a really big Jackie Chan fan, especially in the '90s, early 2000s, where this and Rush Hour kind of live. And yeah, it, it's just very, it's it's such a great, of course, showing of Jackie Chan and his physicality. And, and it kind of plays into more of the Buster Keaton-ness, Keatonism of him, of his, how he fights in general. And with Buster Keaton and all those movies, like essentially taking place in this kind of time period themselves. Yeah, like kind of leans into that more. Like I know that in the second one, there was like a shot of you know using like this a, a ladder a sliding ladder and that's like a classic but buster keaton move as well and and um a little bit more slapstick in this kind of like genre movie than than it, it he could have in like rush hour so yeah definitely a very definitely fun series of movies and and um his him and, and owen wilson's dynamic is just pretty is pretty awesome like oh i i love Owen Wilson in this movie in these movies he just comes across as like a really awesome um straight man but not so much as a straight man as like um scoundrel yeah scoundrel and kind of kind of character and and to to Jackie Chan's more like you know straightforward kind of um character of of um Jean and and yeah it, it's just a it's thoroughly enjoyable movies I feel like more so I I think I would hope that that another movie gets added to the series. I know that uh well like with ja- Jackie Chan's always still up I think up for doing these kind of movies like he he kept on doing, you know, like fight fight movies and all that. But and then um Owen Wilson is kind of like with with the whole entry of, into Marvel and, and as Mo, Mobius, he more Mobius um, has kind of had that physicality in, that he has in like Loki, and I could see him still being up for doing this kind of thing. Um, it would be yeah, very they're both on board. Like they, I think people want it to happen. It's just one of those things that's been stuck in developmental hell for a long time, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I think like. I think there's more like trudging of like rush hour four happening, and so like I wouldn't see I would I would very much like just how rush out the rush hour series and then the Shanghai New series were like a back to back rush hour very much pushed forward Shanghai Noon the Shanghai series occurring I wouldn't be surprised if that if if rush hour gets a sequel then I I could see like Shanghai 
coming off of that and getting a sequel as well. Um, just over the whole thing of, oh, like the bull, especially if Rush Hour is is successful, which I think it will, it would be. It just kind of like the, the nostalgia factor and like, you know, the studio's like, oh yeah, the nostalgia factor, like, of Jackie Chan, like, yes, let's do it. So yeah, yeah, just very, overall, really good showing. I, one of my favorite moments, um, I think was in Shanghai Nights with the whole um, homage to, to like uh, Gene Kelly, who's like one of my favorite, um, you know. I, yeah, Hollywood I was like, I, I was like, Ariel's gonna love this singing in the rain shit. This is great. Yeah. And just, yeah, like, it, I definitely like Jackie Chan is not just a martial artist. He's also, yeah, a dancer, a singer, and an entertainer overall. And I think that the these series of movies like just play into that fully. Alan, how about you? Yeah, I remember watching these as a kid growing up. I was a big Jack Chan guy. Watched Rush Hour, Legend of Drunken Master was my favorite. Yes, exactly. Uh, watched the shit out of that, Jack Chan Adventures. But yeah, Doug, I, I remember seeing these in the theaters with my dad. Um, we, we both loved to, to go watch like martial arts style movies. And this one, and these like rewatching was really cool, uh, nostalgic. And Ariel hit some of the things I was going to say as well. Uh, funny enough, I think it's funny that Jackie Chan fell down like a flag or a long <laughs> draping thing twice and like, you know, only a couple years apart from each other in rush hour. You know, he's falling down that, that big old banner in the LA Convention Center. Uh, and the bomb scene, and then in this, he's in Shanghai Nights, he's falling down, like, the, the Union Jack. And so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, he's, like, reusing his stuff. And it, it's kind of cool seeing how, like, his choreography is, and I, I always was a big fan of, like, it. for me, those scenes, I know they're meant to be funny. But for me, they're always just more impressive, and I just love watching them. Uh, you know, that, that dude's just a master of using anything around him as, like, a prop to just make absolutely amazing choreography. Yeah, I I will say I preferred the chemistry with him and Chris Tucker a little bit more than with Owen Wilson. I liked Owen Wilson. I there's like I don't know for me personally, there's like a little weird disconnect. Not not disconnect, but like the chemistry works, but not one hundred percent. Not not compared to yeah. him and Chris Tucker. I think because him and Chris Tucker, those two characters are like designed as being like outsider characters both of them together like mm -hmm. like you know, tucker is is an outsider in the in the lapd and then like jackie chan is an outsider because you know he's he's foreign and then with with the dynamic between you know owen wilson's character like the, he is an outsider as well being a bandit overall but i mean i have my th thoughts on that i'll save them though <laughs> in that day and age you know bandits were like romanticized he even like plays into that like they're he's he's women want to be with him because he's so like you know this romantic outlaw and so he's kind of like an insider to jackie chan's like outsider a bit too yeah i think also i didn't like his character as much because like i, I don't know maybe because he, he would take advantage of him a lot mm -hmm. and i kind of bugged me. i know chris tucker kind of did that too uh in rush hour but I don't know, something about the way Owen Wilson did it always kind of, like, nudged me the wrong way. But at the end of the day, they, they still were, like, home, like, friends, and, you know, they saved the day and everything. But, yeah, funny enough, though, both films feel very, like, kind of unique in their own way. Like, I feel like even though Shanghai Nights is kind of its own thing, it's in Britain or whatever, I feel like that one kind of really geared a lot more towards like real life scenarios like there's parts where they're like you know jack the ripper star arthur Conan doyle well no, like they chaplin little kick-ass charlie, Ch charlie yeah yeah oh man i forgot about that twist like at the end when they were like oh yeah it's the thing's charlie charlie chaplin i was like what the fuck i forgot <laughs> about this but i think at the time as a kid i didn't really know much yeah. um so i was kind of like okay whatever yeah i i don't know you know what i think out of the two I think I like Shanghai Noon a little bit more. That one just because I, I I think I preferred the Western setting more. I felt Knights was a little bit more like trying to get as many of these little like real life references in whenever they can. Which is fun. It was a lot of fun that they were really good gags. 
I felt the choreography was a lot better in the first one. I will say Knights does have a, a the great, you know, really good scene with uh, the singing in the rain scene. I thought that was a lot of fun. And I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, Ariel's going to love this. And then just, I th- I feel like they gave Jackie Chan a little bit more of uh, the opportunity to use, like, his love for, like, a lot of older films like that, like Buster Keaton singing in the rain and everything and and i think that's really cool because because you see where he gets ins- inspiration from he's sitting in all those movies and he's always like pushing the boundaries and this in nights i felt like played it off a little more safer compared to the stunts done in noon and, and his other movies but yeah for me i'm, I'm kind of more just going off of like the fight career because that's just my favorite part of like watching jackie chan's movies it's just i love the fights the fight scenes are the best and I'm just always in awe of the choreography, but yeah, and uh, then yeah. also playing off of like Donnie Wen, Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen, yeah, dude, yeah, I forgot I about that. that. Yeah, I I had no fucking clue he was in it, and then I was like, oh, I know Derek picked Shanghai Noon because of Walton Goggins for sure. I actually had forgotten he was in it. And I was like, oh, like, well, I didn't realize it until like recently. I watched it like maybe a year ago, and I was like, is that fucking Walton Goggins? I was like, oh my god, I love this movie even more now. I thought that's why you picked it. I thought that's why you were like, oh, he's. I love this guy. I was like, damn. Like even back in the day, Derek was like, I love this dude. You know, pre justified. Um, he hadn't even done Cole yet. Damn. Yeah, no. The Donnie M really like shocked me because I was like, holy shit! Like I didn't know he was in the business that long ago. But it makes sense. You know, he's he's been doing oh, it for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool to see him and Jackie Chan kind of face off for a little bit. I thought that was super rad because, like, a lot of the time you want to see a lot of these uh, martial arts heroes kind of go go toe to toe together, like, uh, you know, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, and, and Forbidden Kingdom, which uh, I kind of think we should do that one. That yeah, I've been wanting to cover that one. Yeah. It's a great, mm-hmm. it's a good one. It's a really good, really good fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. I'll say, but yeah, for that one. <laughs> uh, well, Derek, maybe we ahead. shouldn't cover it then. <laughs> <laughs> no, we should do it. But uh, no, but honestly, yeah, I, I. I, like I said, I love these movies. They were big hits for me when I was a kid to the point where I didn't actually see either of these in theaters. I caught Noon on TV and we recorded it. And I just loved it so much. I just used to watch that VHS over and over and over to the point where somehow, like I knew, I guess I had heard the sequel was coming out, but we didn't get around to going to see it in the movies. But then a couple months later, it was my, it was the summer when it was coming out in VHS. It was my birthday and side and scene, I was like, give me the sequel for my birthday. And I was not disappointed. I loved it. And that's another reason why I chose these movies too. Not just because I like them both individually, but I really, as a franchise, like them a lot. And that's one thing I wanted to kind of get into a little bit with us talking about these franchise films, these, you know, uh, this, this series that we're doing. I think that what a good sequel should do is not necessarily just be like, okay, here's just another story like the first one again. You know, like the whole Mummy Returns thing, where it's just like, ah, oh, we're doing the same movie again, the same, everybody's back, there's a bigger budget, we're going to rush it into production. But It's like, you still have the core elements, but people have changed, like the characters have changed and grown, and then, so you have them kind of move on, and then you do something a little bit different. You know, it's like the Bill and Ted 2 thing, where... Instead of like, okay, we're just time travel again. It's like, no, 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 we're we're going to hell and heaven and doing all this weird stuff. And this one's like, all right, the first one, and you know, like you said, Alan, Jackie Chan was really the fish out of water, and the second one kind of makes both of them the fish out of water. Now instead of being like, okay, Jackie Chan, it's this character from a kung fu movie, essentially going into a western film where Owen Wilson's at home. Now neither of them are at home. Now they're going into this third new setting, which I thought was really a really interesting way. To take the series. But yeah, I, I love, like you guys were saying, all of the physical comedy and dynamic between them. Because you have Owen Wilson, who is obviously just, just hilarious. Like, he's just spouting all these one-liners, and he's just saying all these little things that just, like, make you laugh so much. And I just kind of love how he doesn't even care that he's being completely anachronistic. Like, he's talking like someone in the year 2000 and the year 2003, even though it's set in the old west and i just think that it's inherently is just very funny because he's playing it so straight and you have that comedy and it's you know like you guys just said it's the same thing that kind of has chris tucker but it has for me the added element of like it's in the old west so it makes it even funnier 
And as much as I love Chris Tucker, he's amazing. The dynamic just works a little bit better between Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson for me personally. And like you guys had mentioned, Ariel said he's he's not only a great you know martial artist, he's a great dancer, he's he does all these things. And I think one of the big ones is that doesn't get talked about a lot is he is literally one of the greatest physical comedians to ever live. Like he would have been a silent movie star had he existed at that time. You brought up the connection to Buster Keaton. You brought up the clear homage to Gene Kelly. Singing in the Rain is also, you know, it has it's about the kind of silent film era. Well, that's not a silent film. It's about that era. It's about an actor who is kind of aged out of that era. And then of course, you know, Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin, they make him a character in this movie. That is no accident. They are clearly drawing a straight line between here's the silent, these amazing physical comedians of the silent era, and here's Jackie Chan. And that's something that I think needs to be, like, you know, championed and talked about more is how just freaking funny he is. And they really have this good energy between them. You mentioned Donnie Yen. I also think that the guy who plays Littlefinger is really great. He's this kind of sniveling, evil British dude in this. And they have, I think, one of the greatest sword fights ever. That whole sword fight in the end of the first one in Big Ben, where Jackie Chan kind of has to learn, like, like he's out for revenge, he's out for vengeance. And he learns, you know, like, he ends up being like, I'm not going to beat this guy. I have to outthink him. I have to, like, basically sacrifice and But then Owen Wilson's there to save him with, you know, the power of friendship, which is so great. And I think that any movie, these, and these both these films do this really well. Any films that where you have two characters that are on equal ground, which they are, and I love that they both think each other are their, each other's sidekicks. That's such a great wrinkle. Uh, and you really believe it. You really think, like, yeah, these guys would think that about each other. They learn things equally from each other. In the first film, Chon starts out as... He's so duty-bound, he's, he's so unflexible, he's got his duty, and that's all that matters. Even if he, he, you know, he should be doing something else, he's blinded by this. And then, he, exact opposite, you've got Roy, who's just kind of like, whatever, not a care in the world, just, you know, will wing it. Like, even though he does have the plan, he's just like, he's, he's very, he doesn't really care about people as much as he should. And then, you know, and to that point where there's that conflict in the middle of the movie where... He just kind of, like, brushes off the, like, racist comments they say. And that really, you know, deeply hurts him. Because, you know, it hurts Sean uh, because he thought they were friends. And by the end of the movie, they learn from each other. And they meet in the middle of, like, he's the one who kind of is, you know, Royd has the honorable act where, and John is the one who, like, learns, like, no, sometimes you have to just do what is right and not what is necessarily expected of you. And they find that middle ground. And then... Just to kind of wrap up what I was saying, I love that in the second one, it's kind of mirrored where I, I'd love to just to go on that point of the how Owen Wilson gets, you know, has that racist comment in the second one at the very beginning to show that, you know, this character has not regressed. One of the, you know, uh, the la- ladies that he's hanging out with says something about Johnny's like or says something about like the Native Americans and and he just immediately shuts it down. He's just like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that again. And I love to see you're like, OK, good. This character has growth. The sequel is moving forward. We're not going to just reset everybody like they do so often in sequels. And then in this one, it's John's the one who kind of like ends up doing something behind Roy's back, back that betrays him a little bit. But he gets back in his good graces. And you guys know me. I love films about male friendship and male bonding. And that, especially when they're just as pure and wholehearted as this. And I think this really is. Um, so... It's it's got to win for me for all of those reasons. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they 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 um flat out like you know spell it out for you of like being a reminiscent character of of old Hollywood because when mm-hmm. they say that they go to old Hollywood, they're it, like Owen Wilson's character flat out says like, oh yeah, you you'd fit right in there because he mm-hmm. is essentially that kind of character. So. You know, so, like, yeah, like, a really clear and easy conclusion to kind of make with, with the, this kind of character and, and with with his movement. And then, yeah, just, like, throw it, throw in Littlefinger to be a bad guy, and it, and it fits so well. And in, in my pick for for this series, um, he's in that, too. And he, in, in oh, one nice. of the I'm movies, excited. and he's, uh, he's, he's essentially that kind of character. And uh, so, so, yeah, like, it, it's just... 
you know, uh, the actor <laughs> kind of thing. He comes Adrian off as like Gillen, kind of, I think is his name. Yeah. Let me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he just um, he just comes off as that kind of character, and and does you know, he does what what he, he does best with this kind of movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and yeah, like uh, it, it is. It was a very cool and interesting like. Even with the bad guys, like in in Shanghai Nights, of having that kind of dynamic of of being being mirrors of themselves as well as like what they are are planning on doing to get you know their seats in power, and then um, Shanghai Nights that the that villain was like really I I enjoyed I think the Shanghai Nights villain a little bit more. I mean no the Shanghai the Shanghai Noon's villain a little bit more because because like the sinisterness of it his dynamic with like Lucy Liu, who's like an, and that's an awesome kind of like, well, of the yeah, time, she's like, great. You know, we, we haven't even mentioned Lucy Liu and def- how def- good she is. Lucy Liu and Fan Definitely. Wong, it was originally like, you know, definitely like of that time, you know, cause with Charlie's angel coming out and then kill bill eventually coming out. Like, you know, Lucy Liu is like already that prime American cinema, kind of like a Asian character or Chinese character actress. And so of course, yeah, having her in it was like, it, like just it, it was a perfect casting because you know it was the, the the casting of that time and and uh yeah it would be really awesome uh if if another uh movie were to come along and stuff like that i'm sure and i would hope at least and especially with her you know rising stardom and and, and things like that of like michelle yao and that whole um reunion between her and 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 um and jackie chan with with you know Jackie Chan giving uh, Michelle Yao one of her biggest breaks and in, in um it was it it wasn't police story. Uh, yeah, it was police story, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So I kind of want to dive in real fast. I there's going to be different questions, you know, for the series. Not, I I feel like not all these questions are going to fit for each one. So for this one, I feel like I have a couple answers on my own, but I want to hear what you guys think. Why do you think that I think both films did pretty well at the box office. I know Noon obviously did because they got a sequel, but Nights, I, I remember people d- digging it, and I remember, I think it did fairly well. I'm not sure. I got to look it up. But my question is, why do you think this franchise particularly, why do you think we never really got the the third? You know, why didn't they finish the trilogy? Or do you guys have your own theories as to why it didn't continue? Well, I think. Oh, you can go, Ariel. I think that, like, so I think the Shanghai. I think Rush Hour Three came out after Shanghai Nights, or did it come out? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, it was after. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, So I, I don't know how Rush Hour Three kind of performed. Uh, It, it always felt kind of like a. It didn't perform as well as like the other two, so maybe they were oh shifting gears with jackie chan i think like uh i think also maybe like um i feel very much so like during rush hour three kind of time these types of movies like jet the jet lee movies and while they might not have gone down in in quality so much i think the market in itself was kind of getting a little bit more saturated especially with like the increase of of more like movies that were inspired by these types of movies per se like the trans like the jason statham kind of movies like the transporter and and like all of those kind of movies they kind of had the same kind of feel but not a great quality (laughs) as as Mm -hmm. you know because there's there wasn't like the talent of of real martial artists, but but I think that that around this time, like that, they kind of had that saturation of of that of movies that like essentially were Jackie Chan and and like martial arts and classic Chinese action movies inspired, but they were you know the Americanized some some sometimes bastardized versions of of these movies, and maybe that might be a reason why and. And there wasn't really great ones. Like I, I mean, like on the topic of Jet Li, like the one, mm, it's okay. <laughs> but well, then, like, I, I like the one. I the one okay, yeah, the one is is it's just kind of it's you know it's it's a kind of somewhat a Highlander a little bit with it's that. No way and home then, before No Way Home. 
Oh it's, my god! It's like a mixture of No Way Home and, and the Highlander because there could literally it's called there could, <laughs> mm-hmm. there could only be one. But then also like while it is a cult kind of movie, but like Romeo must die, okay, <laughs> and and those kind of things, and yeah, maybe that might have been a reason why. I know like after this, Jackie Chan's films in general kind of took a more serious tone in them. I know, like, the most recent one that I could kind of remember is, like, the one that he was, like, I think pitted against, like, Pierce Brosnan's character. And it felt very much more of, like, a Taken kind of, like, I know which one you're talking That was a while back, I think. Yeah, he hasn't... I don't think he's made any movies, like, fairly recently. But, but yeah. So, it might just have been, like, like, many things. Like, the market shifted gears in a way. Yeah. And that would be my understanding. But things, I feel like it's a time of like a rolling, rolling back around. I think it's like a nostalgia is like a, a form of like 20 years or, or 25 to 30 years kind of thing. So I think it's, it's time to roll it back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I especially mean, I... with things coming out, like, um, like everything everywhere all at once, which is very Jackie Chan in, um, feel, you know, with, or like not just Jackie Chan, but like, Asian kind of culture like uh is coming back and then like speaking also of, of Michelle Yao like the um Disney Plus um show American Born Chinese is very influential in that kind of way so that kind of feel I think is coming back and so prime time yeah so I mean I can speak on this with a little bit of knowledge um because you know I, I have been kind of following every couple of years it will crop up like oh we're gonna do this movie we're gonna do shanghai dawn you know there's talks of like oh we're gonna have this one set in china and it kind of always feels as it never really goes anywhere and i think the probably the big the big reason is that like in 2000 2003 and that's not i'm not to say you know that they aren't movie stars now people still clearly love them but like you were saying ariel jackie chan's not in a ton of stuff anymore owen wilson he's you know he's still around but he's kind of you know more of a supporting character now. They're not these big bankable stars like they were, at least not like they were then. Like, they're still stars, but they're not what they were at the height of their power. So it's a little bit harder to sell that movie So than it was, it would have been if it came out like 2005 or something. Also, if you look at the box office, they weren't bad. They didn't fail, but they weren't great either. They weren't like okay, all steam ahead for this one. And I just, like, look, glancing at Knights in particular, the budget is $50 million and it made about 90 which sounds good on paper, but if you actually, like, break down... Matt Damon actually explained it really well on an interview he was doing recently. He's like, if I... He's like, the reason a lot of movies, like, don't get made for these, these quote-unquote mid-budget movies, and they've been disappearing, and, like, this is clearly a mid-budget action comedy through and through... But he's like, if I make a movie for $25 million, then I have to spend another 25 to market it. And then I so and then half the the budget, half the money we make goes to the theaters themselves. And the movie itself only makes the studio only makes half that money. So on a $25 million movie to be profitable or to break even has to make $100 million. And that's an oversimplification. But that's a good way to think about it. And so really these movies were not making enough money to be like, all right, cool, let's get a throw one right out the gate while this is still a hot property, while these are still stars at the peak of their power. And, like, looking at these movies, you can see why they would cost that much money. Because there was, like, a shot, I remember in the first one, where Jackie Chan is walking over the mountains of Nevada, and, like, there's this, like, you know, helicopter shot that just goes around him, and I was like, you would never see that shit in the comedies today. Mm-hmm. They they're just not make they're pretty much not making comedies like this anymore. These mid budget action comedies that actually have some money put into them. Really, the only place you're seeing action comedies with any or just in general are on streaming services. That's pretty yeah. much it. You're getting Netflix ones. You're getting Apple Plus ones, especially. But as theatrical draws, it is honestly a genre that pretty much doesn't exist anymore as sad as that is yeah actually one of our old co-hosts fred brought that up not particularly like action comedies but he's like just comedies in general where he he's a really big fan of like you know old school and like a lot of those like you know early 2000s 
college type of humor or not college humor, but uh, like the, college they were films. Frat. Yeah, like frat stuff. Yeah, like it was like yeah, the frat pack yeah. stuff. Um, Tell them to go see Joyride because Joyride brings that back in a big way. Oh, cool. Yeah, I haven't heard of that one, but it's um, the yeah, Asian uh, girl in- ensemble ones. It has like a um, the girl from from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. he probably mm-hmm. won't watch it then. <laughs> yeah. He he likes like the really guy guy humor, but mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, yeah. So and, and he kind of brought that up where he was like, "Oh, I, I, it sucks that you don't see him often anymore." And it's very true. It's kind of what like you're saying, Derek. Yeah, because they need to be profitable. And I, and I saw that Matt Damon interview as well. I think it was on Hot Ones, right? Where you're mm-hmm. talking about like VHS and like DVD sales. Yes. And that's kind of how they would make their money back. Even if like it didn't kill at the box office, they were still lucky enough to get that money. But now with streaming, it's so much mm-hmm. more difficult. Which is like, how yeah. these money's, movies really made a lot of their money. Was new Nights got made because Noon did really well on the secondary market. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, that's how you hear about, like, 90s movies that, like, kind of became cult classics or almost even became, like, household name films where, like, you know, they're like, yeah, this movie sucked at the, in, in, in the box office, but when it came out on rental, fucking blew up, word of mouth, everything, you know, like, you would just hear those films would make gangbusters, and they would just be, like, household names where they're just like, oh, yeah, this this movie was huge, and then... You tell someone you're like, oh no, it was trash at the box office, but now it's huge because of rentals and VHS. And yeah, I think Netflix right now is the only streaming service that I really see that you see these like action comics. Like lately, you've been seeing them a lot more lately. You've been seeing it a lot more on Netflix. I actually saw one the other day with my dad, and I was like, damn, this is a typical like something we would see back in the 2000s. But my other theory was that. The buddy kind of movie, the buddy kind of martial arts movie, I feel like was kind of going out of vogue as well. Because exactly. I remember the big thing in the the the, the mid two thousands was like more visceral, like mm. martial arts films, like uh, Ung Bak with Tony Jaa. Mm. That movie was fucking brutal. The martial arts choreography was amazing. But, like, it looks so fucking real. Like, and not to say that, like, Jackie Chan's stuff isn't, you know, he he's incredible. But, like, the way they edited everything and the way, like, the stunt work was, like, it just looked like it fucking hurt. And I think audiences were really, really digging that. And I remember we went to go see Forbidden Kingdom, I think it was, like, 2007. And even that felt really, like, out of place. Because, you know, that mm-hmm. now there was, like, comic book movies coming out little by little like the marvel you know ghost rider fantastic four stuff it's kind of coming out and i think that's where it started building up it's like traction and then there was a lot of horror remakes so i feel like when that movie came out forbidden kingdom i felt like it was just really out of place like i know hero came out a couple years before that and even that i remember i think it did pretty well but there was just I think I think the 2000s there was a lot of experimenting and a lot of like changing things up and being like, all right, we're gonna do this, or we're gonna try this. And I think the whole buddy martial arts movie was kind of just at, at its last legs and kind of going out the door for more hard hitting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Jackie Chan, like he, he's physical in a different way. He's graceful. Like when he like gets hurt, it's a like it's like he's like there's a lot of like where he like shakes his hand. You know, it's not like there's no. Yeah. Like, crunching Which like is it's not tall, like yeah. yeah yeah it's a very different style you know it's and mm-hmm. like you're saying yeah, it's kind of gone out of vogue for that more realistic brutal style Alan. i didn't mean to mm-hmm. cut you off but I, yeah well, I yeah. Oh, well i mean like even with that like like it's it's i i feel like martial arts movies overall is it is very much like an ebbing and flowing of feel of the movie and and you mentioning jackie chan kind of like you know shaking off his hand that is actually like a callback to actually like Bruce Lee who would do that as well but in a more serious tone like okay good hit kind of thing like in a more serious tone whereas Jackie Chan it's like ah it hurts so like it's like even in that it kind of like shows like this like ebbing and flowing and and then like to call back which one of like I not to call back but to speak of another movie that I, I do feel like we should cover on this but was like is considered kind of like a transformative kind of movie 
especially in this kind of realm of 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 martial arts comedy is like kung fu hustle which is like such a a fucking phenomenal phenomenal still under the radar i know it's like along lines of this is like like begging people are begging for a sequel which like i you know still hear rumblings and hopefully one day but even with that like that being a comedy overall it is very not visceral but intense in its action scenes and it is it lays in but in a really beautiful way it lays into like um special effects and and so like i think that is kind of like a like going back to that kind of the era that we find you know after shanghai nights is like this yeah moving to this kind of like type of martial arts movie i think like it man speaking of donnie went donnie yen it man series kind of started to come out as well and so like i think that the overall audience that are interested in in martial arts movie was kind of like moving back to like seriousness mm-hmm. yeah i would say i'd say it kind of like splits i feel like almost like it either goes like very serious like you know the raid type shit or it yeah. goes the complete opposite direction where it is more like fantasy and more like you know very wuja and like people are like do, like you know you mentioned here or like crouching tiger i know those were before this but you know they start to really hit the mainstream and so you kind of go one of those two directions whereas something like shanghai knights is kind of down the middle it's not you know it's theoretically like real like it's not you know people aren't fl- soaring through the air and stuff like that but it's not also like brutally realistic so that middle ground i feel like has really disappeared yeah I, yeah i yeah. agree yeah, yeah, but that. I think I think that with the, I'm hoping with the success of of everything everywhere all at once that which is clear it is very much a middle ground while while also being very extent more the fantasy one you know it's it's because it's you know it, it's got it, like all the you know it doesn't yeah. have like what well, she's got like the thumb that's or the, yeah. the pinky that's like super muscles and stuff like yeah, that. yeah you know? if you're speaking of fantasy I, I I think I was meaning like more so like the mixture of serious and comedy. Um, but I see where you're saying about fantasy and then and re- realism. Then, then yeah, like it, it, yeah, definitely it leans more into the fantasy, which, which Kung Fu Hustle also kind of leans into. Well, I think that might actually it, it borders the line because it, but more it leans more into the fantasy, I guess so as well. Both of those films, I feel like, are both lightning in a bottle because they both have. It's kind of like the they have really good world building for just being like solo films, like you know, just everything ever all at once. Yeah. And Kung Fu Hustle has like you know the Axe Gang and all that stuff, but like all at once is like kind of a multiverse or kind of sci-fi fantasy martial. Like they they kind of it's kind of like Star Warsy where they blend all these genres. So I feel like those two are very unique compared to. Forbidden Kingdom or Shanghai Nights or anything like that because these are kind of like we're focused on this genre like this is martial arts but it's action comedy this martial arts action fantasy while those two are just like fucking everything like when I got out of Kung Fu Hustle I was like dude that was like Dragon Ball like for me I was like this is the closest I'll ever get to a live action Dragon Ball and then two years later (laughs) fucking Dragon Ball Evolution came out and I was like I want to shoot myself in the fucking face but Alan what if Goku was a white kid like did you ever think of that oh my god dude I've never been that's where I go you know what Derek you know super bad is only better than that movie okay okay super bad is not bottom of the barrel and well, thanks, Alan. You're, so, you're so gracious. I got yelled at the other day on Reddit because I was, I was saying how much I didn't like Superbad and everybody was mad at me. Well, I'm usually not in defense of Reddit, but it looks like they did a good job for once. <laughs> True. I, 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 do, I could care yes or no. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. But like, yeah, I, I think just sometimes somebody just gets the idea and has a great script and just knows how to meld everything all together. Well, so so those two pictures, I think, are just absolutely wonderful and phenomenal. And, and just, yeah, again, lightning in a bottle for those two. So, yeah. Well, well, Alan, that actually leads into something that I had wanted to talk about. You talk about, like, somebody gets a good script or something like that. And uh, these films, like I said, they're diff- directed by two different directors. But as I said in the beginning, they have the same writing team. It's the writing team of Alfred Goff and Miles Miller, who would obviously were would remain interested in... Um, 
martial arts stuff because they would go on to make um why am i spacing on the name of the show right now uh the into show the, into the, into Bad the Bad Bands. Bands, thank you which is that if we were talking about underrated shows we could talk about that show because that show is incredible um yeah, absolutely um but you know i think and that's something it's very very relevant right uh relevant right now because there's a writer strike going on and people i think do not realize how absolutely essential writers are to the process of film like they are Set. They are the ones who write the words, who make the characters, who do everything. And they are on strike right now because they're not getting what they deserve from the producers. They're not getting liberal wages, all that good stuff. And this just shows how important a real creative vision from writers are. Because these guys, while they've made, like I said, they made this, they, that's super and they made that. They're maybe some of the most influential people I think that nobody talks about. Because not only are they responsible for the all of the the DC stuff that we saw, the all the DC Arrow stuff, the whole Arrow C, CW universe, Ooh. because they made Smallville, and then Smallville oh. kind of grew out of Arrow. In the same way, they were the writers for Spider-Man 2. And without Spider-Man 2, you don't get an MCU. Simple as that. The tone of that movie is, is so influential in everything that Marvel has done. And so these guys... Are, are some of my favorite writers ever. They're a great team. They're great together. And I think that's why, hey, this is a te- this is a movie, a great bromance in this movie, a great bromance in real life wrote it. And writers are important and people need to realize that. And this movie, these two movies are great examples of that. Are they still writing with each other? or They are, they, they are. Uh, they, they're developing, because they, they are, they do, are the guys who work equally in TV and film. I, I know, I, I'm not sure exactly, I've heard some rumblings of them working on a new TV project, but yeah, they're still working together. That's pretty sweet. I'm glad to hear. Yeah, I don't even know they did uh, Spider-Man. But yeah, no, yeah. you're absolutely correct, though, dude. I mean, like, writing is an essential part. It's fucking wild to me that... So many people don't realize, like, how important writers are. Mm-hmm. Like, it boggles my mind. I'm like, we've been watching, you know, we've had films for more than 100 years now. And I'm just like, you, what, do you think the fucking actors think about it? You think the director's just like, here, say this, say that? Which is funny enough, mm-hmm. I actually was reading a screenwriting book long, long, long time ago. It was like when I was in high school, and I remember the first page saying... Yeah, screenwriting is, you know, writing. It's not the actors coming up with it. And I'm like, who the fuck thinks like that? <laughs> that they just go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what? You know, like Tom Cruise is like, all right, I'm going to jump off this fucking plane and then I'm going to say this. And and then Henry Cavill's like, cool, I'm going to cock my arms and, and reload them. You know, like, I'm like, no, he somebody... He did come was... up with that part, yeah, he, but yeah. yeah. He, that I, that yeah. might be a bad example. Like, I think Tom Cruise does write a lot I mean, of that shit. <laughs> Okay, I mean, okay, yeah. sorry. No, <laughs> I was trying to be relevant with the, the yeah. movie coming out. Yeah, but it no, but you're right. Collaboration, but I think it's very much like unfortunate. The saturation of the market brings that kind of like people thinking like, oh yeah, like it's not a high demand kind of job, or like it's a high demand kind of job, but everybody's a dime a dozen. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to, Everybody says that they're a writer, kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know. So um, when you know they. They aren't. They don't have the skill. Like true writers are essential, and and unfortunately, you know, you have people on some sides like, oh yeah, I'm a writer too. But then it's like, but do you have the skills to write a good story? You know, kind of thing. Like, which you know, you could try. You could hone your skills and and build up to that level. But there is a level. You know, there's per. Yeah, put you know, your ten like, thousand hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like, for me, it's like. You know, it is. I don't want to squash dreams, but I want to like people to like if you voice realism, like, yeah, I'm not at that level, or I'm not like I'm not that kind of writer. I'm uh, yet at least. And it's like you show an like an importance to well, the writers the that are is, actually it's, really it's good and like a, doing the work hard, and stuff like it's that. It's hard for um, people to even get to that level because of the system that is in place now. That's why the writers are striking, is because. Writers who have been in the industry for a while are fine, but it's because of all the stuff with like mini rooms and everything, the way that it now shows don't run for 24 episodes, they run for nine episodes. These smaller writers that would come up on, you know, shows like how Damon Lindelof came up as just the writer on Alias, he, you know, and then he was eventually given his chance with Lost and stuff like that. These, they, you don't get that, sa- these same opportunities because of the way 
that the system has changed, and that's one of the big reasons why they're changing. So people don't get the chance. So like you're saying, Ariel, they don't get the chance to hone those skills. They are not given the chance to hone those skills because of the way that Hollywood or that the, you know, especially like TV is changing and fucking writing is over. And one of my, and this ties back to Alfred Goff and Miles Miller, one of the my favorite picket signs that, that went viral was without writers, Jenny Ortega would have nothing to punch up. And that is relevant because these guys were the writers and showrunners of Wednesday. That was the last big project they had. So it all ties back together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just kind of like it, it is an essential working. It, it's like very much, I yeah. It it it's it just because like you know you've got bad writing and it's kind of like well, are those writers good? <laughs> you know, like you know I mean? they, no, 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 no. no. I, I I push yeah. it back on that. I'm pushing back on yeah. that, Ariel. I think that they yeah. need they like I said they need to get and there's yeah there's bad stuff, but I mean. That's probably, like, if you see something that's bad writing, I don't think you go, hey, these are bad writers. You go, there's probably some shitty studio notes. They're probably like, you had to include this and this and this and this. I want to be the little happy middle ground because I don't want to squash anyone's dreams, but I want them to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And writing's hard. Writing is very difficult. And just like Derek was saying, you know, there's not many opportunities. But also, like Ariel was saying that, you know, there are bad writers, but you can still get better and that's the beauty about writing is that you keep going at it you keep get you know you keep trying you keep trying and i would i would say that there's bad showrunners because they're the ones like, yes yeah, that's that, that would be because I'm thinking, i would say studio execs too well, <laughs> well, no i'm i'm just thinking of 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 the flash's showrunner and he how stupid he is i'm sorry okay. <laughs> that's the that's one fair. that popped into it, my head so yeah no it's all good i i yeah. stopped watching it after like the fourth season because yeah, Cause, yeah. Same with yeah. Arrow, but anyways, yeah, but I, I just want to say, like, I don't want people to feel like they're like, oh, what the fuck, you know, like, who, who are you guys to say? But it's like, no, but, like, writers, when you have a great writer, you create something beautiful, and you, you create mm-hmm. worlds for, for all all of us to be entertained by. But also, you know, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't end up working out, and it's unfortunate, but you know what? I'm pretty sure there's a plethora of writers who've wrote films and books and comics or whatever that they have you know they fucked up here but they got better over time yeah and Mm -hmm. you just got to keep at it just have to remember just like anything and the thing is i've actually i've had uh i i don't want to call them friends but like they were like people like i went to parties with like you know 10 years ago and you know we're all young and we're all drinking and we're all having a good time and everyone has dreams and you know i knew people who were like going to hollywood and they're like i'm gonna be a writer i'm gonna be a director i'm gonna be an actor whatever and they went fucking young like 18 19 years old and you know we're 22 at the time and they're just like i'm like oh so you were in hollywood they're like yeah i was working on this and i worked on this and they do they do give up and they're like man this shit is hard and they're trying to put their stuff out there and they're really pushing it and pushing it and you know they get notes back, and they're just like, "Nah, man, this shit ain't that great." Whatever, and and unfortunately they give up. And and the whole point of the story is, is like you got to keep at it. You got to keep honing in your skills. You got to keep practicing it. You know, I, I'm not saying I'm a fucking professional writer or anything whatsoever. I I don't have ten thousand ten thousand hours and nothing like that. I write in my head and I write notes on my phone, whatever. But I, I can't say I've published anything or I'm a pro. All I can say is like as someone who's had to deal with hard stuff over time and you got to put in a lot of work and, and everything. That's what you got to do. You got to keep at it. You got to keep going and you can't stop. Cause like it sucks, you know, seeing those people like in at those parties, you know, their dreams kind of broken a little bit, but you know, I hope maybe one day they went back and they gave it another shot, but yeah, yeah it's just yeah. like anything. Yeah. Like yeah. I think, I think what I was trying to get at and I'm sorry that like, I kind of like didn't explain myself well, no, but no, no, no. how, the bad, I think it's like kind of like the the way that like corporations and all that is justifying the the um what not the quality but the um the essentialness of writers is is, is sim- very similar to equi- how people feel about like nurses for example where there's bad apples there's bad bad nurses very bad nurses that and and as always for a bunch of things 
the bad always like overshadows the good sometimes overall and like so i could see like which is a bad justification in both situations of like oh yeah like uh, nurses don't need to be paid because they're not doing a good job the kind of thing like which they should be paid truthfully the good ones should be paid more than the bad ones be just because of quality and stuff like that and like but with yeah like so i could see like that like i think that's like thing that that uh corporates are trying to do of like oh well you guys aren't making good things but partially because of the mini rooms and all that but then also you know like some some people don't come up with good good ideas naturally <laughs> but but yeah yeah i think it's it, it, that's what i was kind of trying to get to kind of like that um you know like it, it's unfortunate that that both kind of situations kind of seem she show like essential kind of like worker you know like nurses take are, take care of us and stuff like that and then writers like you know better better our souls in, in the way because of their writing and things like that and so so yeah that was what i was kind of like getting getting to of like of just being in the mindset of like you know corporate things and i i feel that myself in in my current you know like day job position of just like the bad overshadows thankfully like i i work in a in a group that that actually gets recognition when we do better and get equal like you know um equally like you know like essentially our our benefits get justified as like yeah you guys get better benefits than this other group because you guys did better and and things like that because you guys worked hard you know and and, and you did the right thing and you do the right thing and um i think that it is an unfortunate situation that all writers are in and yeah some of them just need to like they don't they don't get opportunities overall and like i think that's why like they're striking you know that's one of the reasons why they're striking is to get more better opportunities and yeah while i don't like mini rooms and like the whole nine line things i do like shorter seasons yeah, no, no I, I, like, I completely agree with that. And it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's not it's not that's not the the problem is it's that studios are using that to kind of take advantage that new, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. format to take advantage of writers and you know, something else I was gonna say is just like you know, you have something like the blacklist, which comes out every year of all these amazing scripts that get written. It's like here's the list of I don't remember how many it is, like fifty scripts or whatever that are incredible that are not made into movies, and they're always just like there's always going to be so many movies like that because there's always great writers making great original content, but it's just like, hey, who wants to write, like, a fucking, you know, it's it's like the whole thing that happened, like, you know, Greta Gerwig, you know, writer-director, could be doing some amazing new thing, but she's just, but she's making a Barbie movie. So she's going to make the best Barbie movie ever, but it's like, she has to make a movie about a Mattel toy because that's the reality that we live in, I guess. Are we that... saying that she didn't choose Barbie? No, I no, she did. I'm not saying that, but like there was the, there's just this thing that came out recently with her agent that was basically like all the it's like we would love to see uh, basically I'm paraphrasing him, but what he said was we would love to see these auteurs get to make their passion projects and things like that, but what the reality is that those are probably not going to get funded by studios, and what's going to get funded by studios is the Barbie movie, and it's good that we have some that these people who are artists are going to make the Barbie movie instead, so. What I guess I'm saying with the whole blacklist thing is like, there are these writers that might not have a name like Greta Gerwig that might be trying to make their own thing that can't get a Barbie because they're not Greta Gerwig and their movies are never going to get made. But Greta Gerwig, well, Greta Gerwig got kind of somewhat got into her position a little bit because of her husband. But and that's the no. thing too. It's it's a lot of who you know. It's not it. Yeah. You can if you yeah, don't know that's somebody. A, that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's mm -hmm, the thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the whole, you know, oh, she's going to do a Barbie. Essentially, it's what you hear all the time. Uh, directors where they got to work on a passion project, but they had to do something else. It's one for them, one for me. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it is. You know, and I'm pretty sure she probably has passion projects she wants to work on. Studios were like, well, do Barbie. She's like, all right, fuck it. I'll do Barbie. I'm, as to, I'm not saying that that's she was like, oh, you know, that's my that's your plan, but yeah, and I'm still excited. I think right? it's gonna be good. I don't know if we, okay, because like the way she talks, 
she is it's like this Barbie. She's very passionate about it. Yeah, I'm not trying to say she's not excited about it. She's no, no, no. I, 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 the way that she's talking, yeah, the Mm -hmm. way that she was talking, I would think that she want came up with like let let me do a Barbie movie. But if that's not the situation, then okay. Yeah, I mean we're we're getting into stuff that you know we don't even know about. Like we're we're not fucking. Mm -hmm. We don't work there. We don't know what's Mm -hmm. going on. Ultimately, the whole the whole thing we're trying to bring up in the conversation is like appreciate the writers because the yeah. writers are the ones that create these worlds and create this great dialogue and just build all these relationships on film television story you know comics whatever you know appreciate them and remember that you know they're a vital 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 part of all of the lovely entertainment that we that we get to to ingest in on the regular basis, mm-hmm. especially now we're in a golden age of media in general. So, you know, like fucking right now, I, before we even started recording, I was like, I have 50 fucking shows I want to watch and catch up to, and I can't even decide what to watch. Yeah. So I was like, I'll watch some old anime. <laughs> That's yeah. comforting. Yeah. I just wish, you know, thing, I wish that us as the audience didn't matter so much. That's the thing. I wouldn't care. I don't care about myself. Uh, so I mean, you guys shouldn't care about me, and you know, like I, I, it's unfortunate how much audience for good. There are good instances. There's bad, but majority of what is made is bad, and and because like audience like it, and but audiences are overall stupid. So <laughs> I would, I'm overall like just. I really wish that would be the that would be the movie utopia of just not caring about audiences and just making what you make because it's like yeah like it's very much like how a painter paint majority you know paint just not care they what they want what they want to do and it's just like yeah that's the I know it's a utopian kind of thought no but, I guess yeah. because Ariel I've been I watching just, I've been watching the bear. And I feel like that show captures like being a creative and like really well because you like when you're you know creative of any type, especially if, like with you know people who are putting out movies, these things that cost hundreds of millions of dollars, you have to succeed. You can't like because in the bear, he loves cooking. He's cooking you know because he loves it because he loves the art of making food. But, yes, chef. <laughs> yes, yeah, chef. But, like, Fuck the, Sydney. <laughs> the ultimate weight of just like having to create this thing and he's like knows that his business has to be successful otherwise he's completely fucked is just I, it's, it's so Carmi. stressful you aren't Carmi. this is a, a talk to Carmi now Carmi, you go back with with the girl just <laughs> oh ask off sydney sydney she's like, fine like no, no I don't, like, sydney is a Oh, I don't know and get She's it into it, but yeah. no, 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 no. Not no, my no, favorite no. character, but no, no, no. I, I, he, is I, the, I do, he is the I scum do. of the earth, yeah. you know, <laughs> at the end of end of season two. Um, but yeah, we won't get into it because the bear. Yeah, is we don't want to spoil. No spoilers for the bear, but yeah, no, the, the bear is literally like I. It, it it's one of my favorite shows of um in recent history, and if you haven't if you haven't watched it, go and watch it. It is a very stressful show Mm -hmm. it is very triggering um (laughs) if you are as me and alan are from a very dysfunctional family beware of of um the fish episode because it it was definitely a play out of many christmases in my lifetime and uh and yeah so very very triggering if if you come from a, a broken household like i do um so so yeah yeah, or or like I, if you have anxiety, it, it does it um, a little bit. If you have, you or know. or specifically anxiety created by by these situations and and lifelong and and like that's why I love Carmi as a character overall yeah. because like I, he is definitely I feel like just like him. I haven't seen it yet just because all the memes I see is like working in a kitchen and I've worked yeah. in a kitchen way fucking too oh, it much. Must stress it's the fun. Fuck out. So it's I'm already because... just like, Oh my fucking it's, God. That's I mean, something... no, it's, it's good, but it's so fucking stressful. I just watch it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God damn it. Like mm-hmm. it's so fucking good, but mm-hmm. yeah. Cause that, that yeah. meme of them yelling, get the fucking chicken sandwich or some yeah. shit like that. I was like, man, that was me when I was a fucking cook or <laughs> yeah. a chef, whatever. Yeah. I'm like fucking yelling, get me fucking 200 burgers and patties. 
Yeah, that's anyways. No, no. Writers are important. That's why it's yeah. so stressful yeah. because the writers do such a good job. Writers are important, real but get, let them do what they want to do yeah. because then you have the bear, which is yes, one of the exactly. greatest shows of all yes. time. Very, very well put. Well, why don't we get back to Shanghai Nights before we wrap up? Shanghai Noon says lights, guys. I, I, I think we're just we just go and watch the series, you know, especially if you are missing Jackie Chan. Um, then yeah, go and watch it, and hopefully, like he comes, you know, he comes back to mm-hmm. it. I mean, he's gotten some kind of like well, there's that commercial that came out with him and his daughter, like looking at old footage. She's not, she's not his daughter, by the way. That's oh, a, that that's is? kind of a yeah, that's yeah, that's oh. a big big like a uh, fake oh. news kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, so it's just <clears throat> like a, a somebody interviewing him then, or just showing him. Okay, it's like whatever. a movie where. It's about his life, and that girl is the is his daughter in the movie. Oh. Um, yeah, it's a whole weird thing because yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I know that I know that overall, like, and unfortunately, the Jackie Chan being a, a representative of China, the oh, he's not a problematic person, but you know, people his, the government that tries to control, you know, have yeah, we don't need to go down that whole person, road. But, yeah, but yeah, exactly. That's probably why. <laughs> so um, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. Yeah, real quick, uh, super fast. Jackie Chan recommendations. Um, uh, I like Forbidden Kingdom, Drunken Master for sure. I think Drunken Master is like it's it's a hidden gem, and it's very it kind of sucks because like that is literally like he came up with Drunken Master, like martial arts. And so it's very much like yeah, like a, a showing of his of his own his, the style that he created and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, okay. honestly, like my go-to Jackie Chan recommendations are like this and then Rush Hour. So I, I do very much like this this flavor of Jackie Chan. But mm-hmm. I, I do think he's also I mean I talked about how great physically he is, but he's also a really good voice actor. Uh, so I would shout him out in the Kung Fu Panda movies and the Lego Ninjago movie. He's really great in both those. Wow, I don't he's know. Upcoming, that which he's upcoming Splinter mm-hmm. in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh movie. shit! Yeah, I forgot about um, that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just wanted to say too, you know, um, before we wrap up, just one thing. I, it was a stray thought that I wanted to say earlier, but when you guys were talking about the villains, I just kind of love that the conceit of the second one is like the villains are doing a strangers on the train, which is like, what if you murdered this guy, you took out this guy, like you kill each other's things, and we could inherit the throne. No one would suspect anything. Just like fucking some Alfred Hitchcock shit. I love that. But just to touch back to what I said before about that whole shot in the mountain. I just was like in awe. I was like, you know, it's such a cliche to say, but they really don't make movies like this anymore. And it was so nice to revisit a comedy that was shot on a real fucking actual mountain. Like that blew my mind. And I would love to see a comedy that's not based on anything. That's just with these two good stars. That's got a cool, interesting premise that has some decent money put into it again. I, I would absolutely love that. But yeah, that's all. That's what I got. No, absolutely, I agree. Uh, it, it's it's wild how much we took that stuff for granted. Mm-hmm. Now you know, unfortunately, we got a lot of CGI stuff. A lot of uh, the technology is great, but it's it's just mm-hmm. never going to hit as well as just being on location. Yeah, and, and you can do it now with like drones and shit. It's way easier to get a drone in the air than a fucking helicopter. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. So the technology is there for that type of stuff. It's just, uh, it's whatever is hot, I guess. And everyone, for some reason, studios really think people love CGI. I don't know why. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I mean, CGI wasn't necessary, of course. Yeah. But yeah. And then the quick recommendation, uh, Ariel said mine was Legend of Drunken Master. Is her name Ming Na Wen? Yeah. From Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, from Mulan. Mulan. Yes, from, from Mulan. Mulan from Star Wars. Mulan, where where Jackie Chan saying "Be a man" in Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, she is a great Chimley in Street Fighter mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Jackie Chan plays one of the most accurate Chimleys of all time. <laughs> Go check out. City I've Hunter. seen this shit. Check out City Hunter. 
it's, so it's a really great film and there's a really weird scene in the middle of the film that takes place in an arcade and it's probably one of the most accurate live action street fighter scenes you'll ever see on film and Jackie Chan in drag plays Chun-Li so definitely go check that out it's a lot of fun yeah well, with that, um, thank you everybody for listening. Um, if you like what you hear, Derek had guests on a few podcasts. Um, if you want to share those, if you have any recently. Yeah, uh, so I'm always on, I co-host uh, with my friend Damien, the Can I Say Something podcast, which comes out the same day as this one. So definitely go check that out. And I don't think I have anything else recently in the pipeline. I think I mentioned last time everything was on, so yeah. And um, besides that, part of our undercast company, we have my my show you've never seen, question mark, exclamation point, that comes out at the beginning of each month. Um, so go and check that out. I have some really good conversations with some really good friends. So, so yeah. And um, anything else with that? Yeah, check, and, oh, check yeah, out yeah. our socials. Check out our social, Patreon. Patreon. Just check like, the link in any of our social bios and, and you'll find what you need to see. And with that, thanks everybody for being amazing. Take it easy, everybody. You are crazier than a road lizard.